Hello, my name is Miguel Resendiz. I'm a marketing professional, entrepreneur, and the host of this podcast, Midcast, a program where we discuss how to monetize your talent, ideas, and show examples of people who have successfully done so in the past. In this podcast, we aim to bring the best business and life insights to help you materialize your goals. An open mind will go a long way in this program, so fasten your seatbelts and get ready for the show. Karen Castillo, we have you in episode, this is episode four? I think we are in episode four of Midcast, and thank you for coming. Um, so who is Karen Castillo and what are you doing? Well, that's a very open question, but no, thank you for your invite to your podcast. And thank you so much for having me here. Um, like you said, my name is Karen Castillo. Karen is um, 25 years old. Um, she's currently, or Karen currently works in the human rights sort of sector. Um, and the reason why I say this at the beginning, it's because it also defines who am I. I am very passionate about human rights. I consider myself a human rights defender. So I think um, that's who am I <laughs> or something that I could like very easily say about me. Good. So the way we met each other was pretty much by not protecting human rights, but doing something you know, of the sort, you know, we, uh, we met in, in SFU, uh, Simon Fraser University, for those that don't know what SFU stands for. Uh, yeah, but we met at SFU and you were, uh, that at that point, you were not the president of ALAS, but you were the vice president or something uh, in that position. And then eventually you became the president of the Association of Latin American Students, which I'm the president of now. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you, so, you know, we're conversing now. Yeah, no. <laughs> awesome. And I really, back then, I remember I, I was so impressed because, I mean, you you were you were a really good leader. You had you had your your ideals, and I think you you were kind of really putting responsibilities on people that that I hadn't seen before. But I also didn't see how Joe, which was the president, but before had done it but i had seen other organizations being run and the other organizations seemed very autocrat you know people had actual elections you know like they they had political campaigns and and it became so corrupt right like yes <laughs> yeah like they became so corrupt and they fought and then they they a lot of the times they kicked out the opposite party of the club and then they had to form another opposite part, another club. And then you had two two Pakistani two different clubs, yeah, two, two Pakistani <laughs> groups, or something like that. Like yes. I with the Pakistani group that actually that happened. Uh, and and I, I had friends in both sides. So, so then I didn't know which which side was. Yeah, no, was it wrecked. it becomes messy for 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 people who like these clubs. Yeah. So like, um, unfortunately for us in Alas we were able to really maintain order in a very informal way because you yes. know Latinos are very uh, are, are famous it was we were friends first and it was like a big family and that's what it made it great that even if we had little issues we always like stood together which i think is great so and that's the thing i think like I was part of it, right? And I remember I was not allowed technically to be part of it until I, I transferred to Simon Fraser because I was in uh, FIC at the time. And and you were like, no, 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 come in, jump in and we will treat you as, 
as like part of us, you know, and 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 you send and you and you had like these very basic organizational skills that at the time for me were super important and like I was like oh shit like this this group has to shit together you know I think I tried I, <laughs> I think for me because I was at the time like 19 uh for me when I saw you write please do this ASAP I was like what like this is serious shit, you know like ASAP <laughs> what uh, <laughs> oh my but anyways, going back to the to the point, uh, you did a, a great job, and you and you often. I remember you were advocating to have this scholarship for like the members of the club that that had issues. And at that at that point, we were actually looking into starting to donate money. And I think that's the yes. first time that happened with Alas to actually look into donate money rather than just keep all the money that we made, which still there's a lot of money in that account. Like, um, but. Uh, I remember you and Nico then uh, trans, uh, you know, had that mission kind of. Yes. Because I I talked to Nico about it too, and like that seems to be a really great mission. And I and I and I, I mean I in my in my administration really I have to 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 follow it. And you have done it now professionally. So <laughs> professionally, how do you feel now? I mean, you work in Amnesty International, right? Do you still work there? Yes. So I work for Amnesty International Canada. And I actually work as a fundraiser, which <laughs> it's funny consider, considering that, well, it's not funny. I mean, I, I, I really like doing that job even back as a president of ALAS for sort of putting these events together and sort of bringing community together so we could raise funds for a good cause. Um, and that's what I currently do at Amnesty International. Uh, I, I really like my job. I think, uh, yeah, now looking at that, at now looking back at that point, I can see how much like joining that club helped me, and it was a lot of experience because yeah, it was basically running like like a club, and you had people, and you have responsibilities, and you also had money, right? And you also had sort of this mission, and you also represented the Latin American community in the in at the university. So that was like very important for me, and and I think it it was really the beginning of how I became more interested interested in like human rights and more like activism and like community work and sort of like working together with people. It's something that I really, really enjoy. Um, so yeah, that's what I currently do. Uh, I do many other things on my on my free time, but I don't know what you want to talk about. Well, I'm aware that you also dance <laughs> Latin, uh, Latin music and yes, we went partying to rent. Yes, I also like farting as well. <laughs> I still like going out. I still like farting a little bit less than before. <laughs> more responsibilities now but yes but that's a really important thing to touch on because having responsibilities doesn't mean you don't have fun exactly so i mean a lot of the times i think we we're kind of like some somehow indoctrinated by tv programs and like youtube and also like um certain certain quote-unquote coaches that that fun is being in a beach in cancun or having a lot yes. of money and having cars. But I, I'm sure you're having fun or you're enjoying what you're doing. So I have seen your post about, uh, well, the feminist movement in Mexico, which is a really important movement, I think. And, and although there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of criticism and a lot of comments from um, 
you know, from different sides of the Mexican society. Yeah. It is also rooted in, I mean, the comments are rooted in Mexican Mexican traditions, I think, but also the the movement that's happening right now, it's rooted on big, on big violence towards women, right? And, yes. and that's something that, that I think we haven't really listened to uh, or yeah, like we haven't really listened to because you know why I think that is? Like I am a Mexican and I, I should be really aware of that. And I have a mom, I have a grandma and I have, I have a lot of women in my family and I can sleep at night, right? So that, that, that part makes me feel that I'm not aware of what really is happening there. But then I see you in there, right? You're in Mexico, you work for Amnesty International Canada, but you're in Mexico helping women. Um, and that's kind of brave because we all know what happens to, you know, journalists in Mexico. Yes, <laughs> it's, really. a pretty, it's the most dangerous country in the world for, for journalists currently. The, the most dangerous? More, yes, after even- Saudi Arabia? No, yeah. I, I mean, it sometimes like one, some months is like another country, usually Middle East, and 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 de yeah. depend, it depends on how many journalists are killed by year. But right now, it's well, sometimes, like sometimes some, some countries in the Middle East are trying to up the competition. I'm like, oh, yeah, it almost seems like a competition, <laughs> which is pretty bad, like, like pretty, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of which country violates human rights the most, basically. <laughs> mm. Well, that's uh, that's pretty fucked up. So you went to Uganda for your internship. It was an internship or exchange? Yes. So when I was in my, so just a little bit of background, like I did my my undergrad in international studies and political science. And when I started my degree, I used to also be part of like the varsity team at SFU. Um, swimming was my life, sports were my life. Mm -hmm. But when I was like on my second, third year, third year, I started getting very anxious because I saw other of my classmates that they were already like having jobs on the field, doing volunteer uh, positions, they were going on exchange. And I, I felt that like all my life at that point had been swimming. So I took the huge risk that it was for me to stop swimming, <laughs> which had been what had like driven me like all my life, what had like defined who I was for all my life. And, and I decided to go that summer to do like an internship. It was more like an internship more than like a, like a, like an exchange in like an NGO in Uganda. Um, so it was sort of like an exchange internship um, thing. I, I worked with an organization called Refugee Law Program. And what we did was basically like interview refugees that were coming from to Uganda from other countries in war, like the like the DRC. Um, and we were doing this research at that point. And and yeah, no, I mean, I I love the experience. Um, Uganda was beautiful, the people there were beautiful, and and it and it and for me, it was like sort of like it it really proved that I loved what I had studied, that I wanted to get into like the human rights sector, that I wanted to work with people like more on the ground. Uh, and yeah, it was like a great experience overall. So big advice if I don't know, people are in their second, third years, just go out and explore um, the world and 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 just yeah, just do it. <laughs> yeah. So so when you were in in uganda were you a little bit exposed to the gay and lgbtq um, i i think uh issues that were facing in that country or were you more involved in a different type of human rights issue 
Oh, I was like more involved with refugee rights, um, but I mean, you did like, uh, I mean, it's very visible, like the problem. I mean, uh, like one of the things that they told us sort of the, the organization when we went there was how like strict laws are against like people from the LGBTQI community. So even like before arriving, you were warned that like you should be careful about what you said, about how like you 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 behave, even though like there's there's a huge privilege into coming from like a Canadian university, like you're like as a sort of an expat, that's what like people that are not from Uganda are called. So it does come from a lot of privilege where you're sort of like like a little bit above the law, which is crazy. Um, but yes, like I and I and I mean I, I've during my human rights work, I've met a lot of people that have like escaped Uganda because of of, of these issues. So yeah, it's pretty it's pretty bad. Yeah, so I did a project on that, I think, in my in my undergrad, in my first year. And I remember I was very impressed that, you know, like it wasn't receiving more media because I mean there, yeah. there, there's a penalty, right? For that. There's a Yes. Yeah. Yes, people oh. are tortured, they're like, yeah, you can be killed, like it's it's terrible. And if you don't say you know someone gay i mean if you don't say that you know so, that somebody is gay then you also face like like life. yeah you face prison yeah basically. so it, it gets really really challenging so i remember um a conversation we had after that experience and i was telling you about it earlier but i think it's worth mentioning it again uh you said that you really love living in places that <laughs> have a lot of social problems and that's where you want to be so tell us a little bit about that because people <laughs> don't want to be in places where, where there are a lot of problems <laughs> you know you you yeah. okay so i'm gonna make a, a bad joke here but you have the name karen is yeah. that the reason why you like problems karen <laughs> <laughs> I think at this point I'm starting to believe it is from all the like all the memes and posts I see on, on Facebook but no no I don't I mean it's it's a very like <laughs> it's a very interesting question and 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 for me like every time like or well sometimes I'm asked like why did I for example became like a feminist right or why am I interested in certain issues uh, why am I interested in sort of like working on human rights in a country like Mexico which is so dangerous where there's so much repression uh, and so on and many like most people will have like a sort of like a defining moment either like something happened to them or they experienced something or they saw something or or, or something happened to them. And, and unfortunately, I don't have that amazing story for you. Um, but for me, it was more when I started studying politics and when I started studying international studies, and you really learn that the reason why the world is like so fucked up, and I'm sorry about the word, uh, why there's so much poverty, why there's so much discrimination, hate, racism, it, it's not just because it is. There's reasons, there's like history, there's like a structure, there's a system and it's made by humans. So for me, knowing that and knowing that this world could be better if, if leaders were better, if people would unite and ask and demand for this change, like for me, there's no reason why I wouldn't do it. Like why I wouldn't want to make that change, why I wouldn't want to try with all my living heart and with all my actions 
institutions to build a better world. And and like for me, it's just knowledge. Like I can I can understand that people sometimes like like you say, right? It's hard to get involved in politics to know about these issues if you're not into that area, right? Because like I mean, we're busy. We're busy people. Like this world is so fast. Like right, you're always scrolling social media. There's tons of information out there. So I understand that people do not know about this. But what I don't understand is like if you know it and then you decide not to do something about it, then I just don't, I just can't do that. So for me, like all these like all these years that I lived in Canada, I feel like a little bit guilty of of living there while like I have family here. Well, like this is my country, while I'm seeing like how things are and just not be able to do something. Um, and and that's all I can say that that's why I, the fact that I say that I want to live in like a in like in like a country with or in a place with social problems. I think at this point is not any place. I think it's Mexico. And back then when we talked, uh, when I just came back from Uganda, the reason why I went to Uganda in the first place was because I wanted to stay away from Mexico because it was too close to my heart. It was too personal. I got angry very fast. Um, but then like it doesn't matter how much you try if like if the problems pull you, if you see and you get angry. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's my country, it's the place I know, it's my language. Like, again, I have family here. So I like, I sort of at some point stopped fighting against that feeling of, of trying to escape, like that sort of feeling of wanting to do something about the things that are wrong and just sort of embrace it. Of course, sometimes like I do get scared. I do like have like double thoughts about it. Like I think about like, just like, Staying, staying in Canada and just sort of forgetting and, and, and not thinking about that. But I don't know, there's something always that pulls me back. It sounds a little bit like deep and intense, but it's the truth. So I think what you're saying, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you were saying that you want you want to make a difference and you want to make sure that the life of the majority is better, right? I mean, even, even not the majority, but like the marginalized people to uh, make sure that they are covered. Um, it is funny that we as a society expect the next iPhone to be much better, but we don't expect society yes. to be much better the next year. Okay, three, two, one. Oof. Okay. Uh, so you were saying about, uh, okay, so I don't know if I got that code in, in there on time. So basically it is funny, I mean, based on what you say that people expect technology or an iPhone to get much better the next the next year, right? Year over year. But then they don't expect society to get much better year over year. They want society to be, you know, the same imperfect mechanism that is for forever. And that's that's a bit scary because so we want artificial things to improve, but we want the things that actually you know matter to not to yeah. It's a bit weird, but I think that's just uh, part of how, I mean, you know what? Maybe we should have a Steve Jobs for feminism. Like imagine someone can get us hype for like a feminist society, <laughs> or someone can get us hype for a society where we, we treat people you know, equally and we give <laughs> chance. Because I feel right now when you say, oh, I want people to be equal or not equal, but I want everybody to feel the same opportunity. It, it, it doesn't cause much, uh, much. Well, it, it causes enrage. It doesn't cause a positive reaction. It gets enraged uh, uh, from 
people in general. So I know people, so like, I know people sometimes hate on feminists and, and that's, that's a really difficult <laughs> for me to, okay, so like, I'm not gonna get polit too political here in that, in this, <laughs> but what I'm gonna say is everybody has a reason why they're angry. Nobody's angry because they're bored. Yes. Um, yeah. If someone is being angry, 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 well, it may be because they killed her, her daughter, or it may be because they raped her many times, or it may be because uh, they raped her many times, you're asking the police to do something and nobody does anything. Maybe they laugh about you. Maybe they rape you in the police station, right? right? Yeah, no, yeah, the, 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 yeah, no, like violence in, at least in Mexico, like the, the, the violence against women, it's, it's brutal. Like when, whenever you read cases about like uh, femicides, that's what the term is, that it's the killing of women because of their gender. And it, it involves like brutal violence. It often includes like um, like sexual violence. It includes exposing the body of, of, of women after their death or, or, or sort of, yeah, damaging the body after, after women are killed. And every single case that we read, it's brutal. It's not like, it's, it's terrible. And it starts, and the thing that, 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 that it's so outrageous is that you would expect that the killing of, of these women, it's the worst part, the, the brutality that these, these killings um, are like, I mean, the, the brutality of the killings um, should be enough. Uh, but then you have the state violence that it's when um, police officers do not care. They do not investigate crimes. They tell um, moms or family members that these women got suicide or that, or if they, if, if they're missing, they, they say that maybe they left with their boyfriend, that they're, that they're pregnant, that they will come back and they don't activate mechanisms that are uh, in law, like that they should start looking for women right away because of the extreme violence of, of that, that it's, that exists in the country. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I usually hear or like webinars or talks or protests where there's family members of victims of femicide in Mexico. And, and they all agree that one of the worst violences that they suffer is not the killing sometimes of their daughters is the like instead like the state violence that they live before how they're ignored how there's no justice how they're like re-victimized how they say that their daughters have the fault to be killed in these brutal ways i mean the the i i don't have right now like data like specific data but mexico is a country that has 99 impunity like 99 percent of impunity levels so only 1% of all crimes in the country have like a sentence. And that's just a sentence. We don't, we're not even saying that like if, if, they, if people actually go to jail. So you're, you're talking that 99% crimes do not have justice. So Mexico has a collapsed, and that's the word, it has a collapsed um, judiciary system. Like there's no other way of explaining it. So women are not protected when they're alive. <laughs> women are not protected when they're missing, like nobody cares if they disappear, only family members, only friends, and, and women are not protected even when, when, when they're killed. So it's, it's pretty brutal. And, and when you talk about all the backlash, all the hate that the feminist movement in Mexico gets from the society, like that you wouldn't expect, right? That you would expect that society 
he's as like exhausted as like many in the movement we are exhausted we're angry we're like we're tired uh but i i do think that that hate towards the the movement comes from people or or from a sector of society that is afraid of change because uh, change is scary right and 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 i do think that this like the world in general not only talking about the feminist movement we need radical changes um we're seeing it with the pandemic right we have like you said I think we're living in one of the, like in the times with most technology in the world. And right now we have a virus that has like stopped us completely. And, and one of my beliefs is that it's not the virus itself, it's that countries all around the world stopped investing in health. And that's why hospitals get overrun. Hospitals have stopped involving in social care. And that's why people go out to work. I mean, in Mexico, people cannot stop working. And it's as simple as that. 70% of the Mexican population works in the informal sector. So they, they cannot, they don't have like any sort of social insurance that, that protects them. And that's the fault of governments. I mean, I, I think this virus, yes, it's real. Yes, it's like, it's pretty deadly for, for certain sectors of society. But I think that what has made us so vulnerable is how much inequality has grown uh, over the years. And that's the fault of governments. And that's also our fault as societies because we, we keep going, right? And, and you see it in people right now, everyone is talking about going back to the, like, to the normal times. People are desperate to travel. People are desperate to like, go back to, for the economy to revamp. And, and I think that's normal because again, like we're, we're, we're humans. We're, we're, we don't live in this earth for a long time. Uh, so I think it's hard to grasp like, how much change this world needs. And I think that's why when social movements come and they sort of shed light into, into how bad the world is and how much change we need, I, I do think that a natural response from some people is to, to, to be angry at it, right? They, people are scared of, of these changes, like of, of, of having their lives, like day-to-day -day lives, like, um, yeah, like, like, yeah, like, I don't know, I, sorry, my, suddenly I stopped thinking in English, so please ask <laughs> me something. <laughs> no, and that, that makes sense. I mean, um, one of the things I wanted to, to kind of bring to the conversation is about um, how, when you're, when you're bringing in change uh, to, to society, especially to, in today's, I don't know, I, I wasn't alive before and honestly, I haven't done really a lot of political science studies, but I know that the society in general in the Western world is divided. It's very, I mean, there is a big division and, and a lot of the times it comes from extreme points of view in both sides. Yeah. Um, would you say, because I honestly don't think feminism or the feminist movement is a left-wing movement movement but this or is only a left-wing movement but i think it should really be a movement that's uh mm -hmm. that should be you know appealing to people in the right too the reason why i say this is because uh look i empathize with people in both sides because i know that they they are not moving i mean the interests of other people shouldn't be a uh, reason for you to say, oh, these people are stupid, people in the right are stupid, or people on the left are stupid. No, I think the reason why they they have these groups is because they have similar interests. But I think when it comes to feminism in mm -hmm. particular, 
Well, for one, I think there is a misogynist kind of resistance from from the system that has been shaped like this, right? And yeah. therefore, there is a this resistance is this resistance is more powerful than the actual information of the of the movement. Um, recently, in a marketing class, I I learned that for for every one for every one negative comment on your brand, you need at least 10 positive comments or at least 10 uh, times the effort to outset, offset that negative one comment. negative comment yeah wow. so one negative That's comment is 10 times as powerful <laughs> as uh, as one positive yeah. so right now what i'm seeing here and i'm really trying to to bring it back to my expertise which is marketing um, <laughs> right That's and great. I'm, trying, yeah. I'm trying to understand it in in the best way i can but the way i see it is feminism has a lot of i mean i remember when i first heard the word and my friend told me i'm a feminist and that was when i was like 15 or 16 and i was scared i was like what you're a feminist <laughs> what is this? Like, yeah <laughs> and, and and it was not because i was like like girls are crazy it was more like feminist okay so the last time i hear anything ending with is was communist and i thought oh shit that, that yeah. is probably not communist but it sounds like it some sounds weird similar there. yeah or like i also heard machista right which which is a negative word and and if i think well what's the opposite of machista well feminista right which yes. is spanish which is feminist so so then I was thinking, well, but none of them are good because I, I kind of associated the, the ending of the word ist with a, a negative meaning. Um, and maybe I think this resistance that the market had, or not the market, sorry, the, this resistance that the, that the system has put on the on the brand of market, oh, fuck, why, why do I keep saying market? <laughs> this resistance that... The, um, that the system is putting on on feminists uh, is really being met with more resistance, right? Because like the, the feminist movement, the way when I see it, especially uh, the photos you have been posting recently, actually, uh, it, it is a it is a movement of of like counter resistance, right? Yes. If you protect us, then we're gonna rebel and we're gonna show you that we are also strong and. And then uh, you kind of, and and then it is some sort of like, yeah, it's like a it's a rebellious movement that is very well, is really well uh, oriented. I think it has a really nice goal. It isn't about taking over the government and you know now matriarchy is the thing. No, I think <laughs> I think what you guys are really trying to achieve is is noble and it is important. Nobody wants to have all of a sudden your daughter disappearing right yeah. i think the, the the motivation shouldn't be questioned um maybe the methods could be questioned but uh again it isn't an organization and it is just some a bunch of people that were hurt by the society yeah, no. and yes and, I, and i'm sorry to interrupt you because like there's so many things that i want to say about what you have said okay I, yeah i will stop <laughs> <laughs> no no it's just like if they just keep like piling up in my head and then i will not remember so like i think that first when even you talk about marketing and 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 for example there there needs to be a huge distinction or this between like the feminist movement for example in Canada and the feminist movement in Mexico because like some like for me I, I I could say that I became a feminist or I became engaged with feminism in Canada 
and and it was a word that it's very well accepted like for example like my like I used to work as a waitress in a restaurant and like my my colleagues would say it right it, it didn't it, it it was more of like most women in Canada define themselves as feminist and and we cannot compare like like violence in Canada against women and violence in in Mexico against women right like there's a there's a huge advancement in women rights in Canada although we we need to like do talk about for example, indigenous women in Canada, that there's a whole other story. Um, but that that's the first thing. And, and if I want to say something about the feminist movement in Mexico, is that I would say that it's reaching like, uh, I would say that it's reaching its peak of, of action, because um, I don't know how much people have seen news or they see news about the feminist movement in Mexico. But a little bit what you're talking about is that women in Mexico are becoming more and more and more prone to take like what we call direct action, which involves like destroying like um, like glasses, destroying like like bus like stops. They, they do like gra graffiti paintings in buildings, in like statues, in monuments. Um, and they're, I would say they're becoming a little bit more or we are becoming <laughs> more and more aggressive. Um, and it, I, I do think it has to do with the fact of of basically how much the movement has been ignored for, for so many governments from the right, from the left. I mean, in the last, last presidency in Mexico, we had a very like right sort of middle center political system. And right now we're like the president is supposed to be from the left, but for women, it keeps being the exact same thing, right? And, and, we, and violence has increased. It has been increasing steadily for over the years. And like I was saying before, the, the, the system for investigating, for making justice is completely collapsed. So I do think like women have, or the movement in Mexico, a part of the movement <laughs> has reached like, like a very like angry, like violent point. And, and again, I, I, I cannot undermine it because I support it because I, I think that when you have this brutal violence from, from one place coming, right? Like, uh, it's it's the response. Um, but another thing that I wanted to add is that I think a reason why the movement is also so misunderstood by many sectors of society, it's because of marketing, actually, and how the movement has been marketed by journalists, by the government, because, for example, like, a protest is huge, like, right, sometimes, like, I, I mean, the last protest, which was on the 8th of March, International Women, it was massive like I had friends that were there I was in Canada uh so I couldn't join the the the, the protest in Mexico City it was huge like there were like groups of or, or organizations that it took them like three hours to walk just to start walking of how huge the protest was and but but like we know what sells right journalists know what sells and violence sells so you could have like a protest of like 10,000 people and like the next day you will only see the the notes from like like the the group that that did these sort of violent acts if you want to call them like that so that's why i feel like a lot of the perception of people is just centered in like the violence and against i just want to put it on <laughs> on quotation marks violence if i if i if i must call it like that that the movement has but it's a huge movement and, and even myself, I cannot speak for, for the entire movement. The movement is not only in, in the streets, it is in NGOs, it is in universities, it's in the academia, it is, in, it is everywhere. And, and it's a very diverse movement. I mean, you will have like 
left-wing feminist, right-wing feminist, <laughs> Uh, like and and it's a social movement and social movements nobody controls them it's not like you get invited to the club it's not like when there's a protest you receive your invitation and we all agree because that would be very hard uh, so it's formed by like the movement is formed by many different sectors so I think even when we have when we talk about femi the feminist movement in Mexico there really needs to be or or if we want to understand it well there really needs to be that distinction in like which like which movement are we talking about? The one that is occupying buildings, the one that is like like doing research, the one that it's on the government, like and 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 that's sort of the things that I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Like I. I mean, I have a lot of friends who. Who oftentimes focus on the negative. Uh, yeah, just in, in the negative aspect of what or not the negative aspect, but- But they think it's outcome. the negative aspect, yeah. Well, it is kind of negative. It's the negative outcome of the feminist uh, movement in Mexico, at least, which, you know, we have seen the, the videos that journalists, you know, showed usually when, when they attack a random old dude in the street. And like, this is very similar to, to how pol police brutality is portrayed sometimes, because we see the bad, but we don't see the good, right? So then we think police are all bad. And I think that's the same, the same sort of issue that's happening with the feminist move, movement in Mexico. Oh, I saw all the things I saw about feminism was bad. So the whole, all the, the whole movement must be bad, right? And it is, yeah. scary. And, it, and, it, and it is like, to be honest, like you and I studied in Canada. So we have a very, a very mixed um, background. And then I think that allows us to understand this better because we can see it from the outside and we can see it from the inside. And then from the inside, it really looks scary because sometimes um, a few a few things, I mean, a few movements are like, wow, like this is, is like, what is what is happening, right? Like, I have never seen that in, in history, in Mexico at least. You could see these movements of, um, like the, the 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 people with the with the green bandana, which you have, which you have a photo of like that in your profile for. Oh, like the S L N. Yeah, like the the green oh, bandana. No. The green oh bandana. yeah, the the abortion, like the like yeah, abortion, like the, yeah. the abortion sort of feminist side. And, that, of. and that's another whole topic that hopefully we we have some time to dive in. But let me just kind of explain this idea. So when 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 my grandma sees the feminist movement, she is not really seeing the, what, what it really is like. She's seeing a, a, a delinquent movement, right? And, yes. and, and when I see the feminist movement, uh, it took me a lot of years of education to understand it. And um, yeah, maybe I, I don't even understand it now. So that's the whole thing. That's why I wanted to talk to you because um, I don't really understand it. And oftentimes I'm, I'm guilty of thinking, wow, what's happening here? And <laughs> is, this, is this going in the right direction or not? Because it is decentralized. It is not centralized. And, yeah. there, and there are good things about, I prefer it to be decentralized than, being it, than it being centralized. Because then when it becomes centralized, that means that there is individual uh, power, very individual power that's moving there. And that is very, very selfish. Um, but decentralization is good because then everybody's fighting for their own for their own motivations and when they are in the same motivations that means it's uh, something good so my point is you you as a feminist you you really love 
um, to fight for human rights. And in a and you are privileged, honestly. I mean, you and I yes. are privileged, and we have both come from privilege. What motivated you for to be from a position of privilege to now wanting to be in a position of danger? <laughs> And that's that's something that my mom asks me every day when I go to a protest or something. I don't know. For me, it's the fact of like, again, I think it comes back to what I explained at the very beginning of knowledge. Like, like for me, there's like my mind just cannot like. Like accept the level of violence that exists against women in Mexico, for example, and not wanting to do everything I can to stop that. And and I would like to explain it with something more concrete, with something like again, like a like a beautiful story or something. But like like I mean maybe my story comes from the fact of studying these issues. Like like during my human rights work where while I was like studying politics, while I was studying international studies, like working at Amnesty International that like um, does some research into like human rights violations really the cases, like the individual stories that you hear about femicides, about rape, about state violence, they're so brutal. <laughs> they're so like, like you, you, would, you, you couldn't imagine that someone was capable of so much hate or of so much like, yeah, of so much hate. Like I, I cannot explain it, explain it in another way that like just not trying to do something about it. Like it just, like I just can't, and 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 I and I've tried because it's honestly exhausting. Like for me, I mean, I have lost friendships over over like political views, but I mean, it does come to a point where I mean, I I understand that you do not understand the the all the whole thing, right? Or or that you don't agree with everything, but like I have had friends that have said like I wish they would kill all these women, right? Like protesting, and for me, that's like. Like, why would I want someone like that in my life? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's even even harder for me to sometimes engage with family members because like you say, it's, it's, it's hard when you become so passionate about something and when you dedicate so much of your time, so much of your effort, like you say, would you even put yourself at risk uh, for, for something that you believe in? Uh, I would say that that's the reason I, I believe in the movement. I believe that I'm not like other worlds are different. I believe that another reality is different. And that might be very utopic at some point. But I don't know, like I, I like I like dreaming that that's possible. And and for me, it is what I'm passionate about. It's like what I like enjoy doing. Like I love like meeting with like my feminist friends in Mexico, I love going with them to protest, but I also love like talking to them. And like, I mean, there's a lot of work that it's done behind the scenes that it's not only protesting and, and I love that. So I that that's everything I can say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I mean, to me, that's interesting. And look, um, I made this spot. I really, the intention of this podcast is for people to um, understand you know, where you guys are coming from, but also um, I told you at the beginning, I, I kind of created this whole thing, this whole podcast to explain young Miguel, what this whole thing is about, right? Um, yes. Look, I, you, you, you mentioned something important. This is, this is a hot topic because every time I bring it up, <laughs> I get in trouble, but I love it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, Go for look, it. Karen, because I, I, I think I talked about that with you. Um, because I, 
this is a, this is my true belief, and I actually believe in this because uh, this is the whole reason why I'm I'm doing the podcast. Anyways, there is a lot of people that have said that, and I have read that in the comments. Uh, what you said about women, uh, the, the sorry, let me recap. There are a lot of people in the comments of like uh, this post saying that the narcos or the, the drug dealers should kill them all. Uh, I've I've read that many times. And I'm like that drug, sorry, that drug dealers should kill all like women or like feminists. Feminist. Oh my God. I haven't read those ones, but yeah, like I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, I have read those. And, and when I'm, when I read it, then I'm like, what? This guy is stupid. Like, okay. You cannot put drug dealers on top of feminists. Like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's a huge I, comparison. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. You cannot like in, ter in terms of social value or like the value that they provide to humanity and the, <laughs> drug dealers better than than feminists right uh, yeah. that's kind of my first of all i think if we are in that position as a society then uh, i'm afraid we're already lost <laughs> but then but then again i don't agree that we should that we should lose our friendships because of these issues because mm -hmm. They're your friends for a reason. I mean, they're your friends because because something happened. Well, I'm, I should say like not very close friends. It's like that people on Facebook that you have, but like that maybe you haven't spoken like a hundred okay. years. Because if it's like really your like close friend, like mm -hmm. like I, I don't think I would become like really close friends with somebody who like would think that. So like, and, and actually like, yeah, most of my very good friends, although they're not like, they they're, maybe they are not part of the movement but like they respect it like there's a sort of respect and and I think that's like what but it's good but yeah I should have said like those people that you have on Facebook that you have never talked like in and I not like you know they probably do not even remember you you don't remember that you deleted them and okay. life can go on <laughs> so to me like it is a big issue when when people when we, when people call for for other people to lose the platform, their platform to speak or the platform to to say their their opinion, even though that what you say is actually hate speech because you're you're promoting someone yeah. and other people. So that's complete bullshit, and that 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 is actually legal, at least most yeah. of the in the first <laughs> world. So um, and people should remember that to be to be fair. But um, when it comes to people being ignorant and saying this kind of stuff, I mean. I don't think, it, I always think that, or most of the time, think that hate comes from, from ignorance, right? Yeah. Uh, so I remember one day I was cycling in Mexico. You know, I was, um, there, there was some sort of like cycling group of like 200 people. So you always met everybody from the city in there. And, and it was every, every Wednesday at night. And I met like this guy and I was reading some sort of philosophy somewhere. And this uh, philosopher, it was a book that I was assigned by, by a pro. And this philosopher said, every human being can change because that's our nature to change. And then I'm like, hmm, that's pretty cool. And then somehow I applied it to homosexuality. I was like, well, you can change, right? So you can change yeah. your, your, your sexual preference. And I, talked, and I told this guy about it. And he's like, oh shit, well, I, I wish that was true because that in that way I would just change from being gay to being heterosexual. And then and then I was like, what? This guy doesn't, I mean, I, I couldn't predict that he was uh, homosexual, right? And I was like, 
well, I fucked it up. And then I, <laughs> I yeah, I said like, I, I said something that probably hurt him. And I said, I'm sorry. And then the guy said, well, don't be sorry. At least you told me now, let me tell you about it. And, and then he told me about his experience. I never thought that again. I never thought homosexuality was, uh, was an individual decision or something that could be changed. Um, so my, my point here is there will be people saying dumb shit and there will be people saying stupid stuff and thinking and believing them, actually believing them. And, and education and communication, even though they're, I mean, even though they don't get it from you, they may get it from a book, they may get it from a TV show, they may get it from a random person cycling the street. They will, if you open the opportunities and you give them a platform to be stupid and be dumb, they'll probably get it, I think. Yeah, well, and, and it's it's something that always within the human rights sector at work, like when you are an act, like it's something that it's always um, very discussed, like how much it's your job to educate people and how much people should educate themselves. Now, like what, what I think is that I have always been very like, um like open to talk about when about these issues right like like I'm I'm not the person who expects you to know everything about the feminist movement like like right now or or because I understand that we, that these issues are hard to understand like for me I discovered them during six years of university studies like through theory like like research like it was not like ooh, like for fun <laughs> Um, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm interested, but it, they do come from a history, they do come from politics, they do come from systems, so they're like very like deep issues. And same with like you say, like with racism, with many other issues that are hot topic or like contested issues, they do, they're, they're difficult topics to talk about. And they're also difficult because they cross with the personal, right? Because of, of like your identity of who you are and so on. So I'm, I'm always open um, to keep talking with people about that. That's one of the reasons why I decided to start the podcast that I have with my friends, where we try to talk about these issues so other people know about it, that they learn about it. And I love communication. It's one of the areas where I'm most interested within like the political side, within the human rights, how you communicate social movements, how you communicate these values so people understand them. What's, your, um, what's the name of your podcast? So it's in Spanish and it's called La Brújula de la Nación, which means the compass of the nation. It was a project for, for a class, so the, like the name was not very well thought, <laughs> but now what we class? liked it. And, and what huh? was this for? So this year before the pandemic started, I was taking a certificate on public relations at UFT uh, and it was one course on communications and social marketing or something like that, like social media. And, and you had to do a podcast or a blog. Uh, and I decided to do it and start talking about like human rights issues. And my goal was always to like sort of reach a different audience that was not like the, the, like the human rights sector that we all know about these issues but to try to expand it a little bit more. So like, if my mom wants to know more about like something that is happening, that she has like these, these podcasts where she can come and hear about um, like any issue in Mexico, but through like a feminist lens, through like a human rights lens. Um, so sort of like really pushing like the, like the social justice um, approach um, to like political issues. Um, so yeah, we talk a lot about feminism. We talk a lot. We talk a lot about like other 
other issues. Um, but something that I wanted to say about like what you were saying uh, of how some people lose friendships over like these issues is that something that I have also experienced is like you get tired. Because for example, right now, like, and, and it usually happens during protests, right? That happen in Mexico. Maybe you reach out to me and you say, Karen, what happened? Like, you know, I don't agree. And, and for you, it's your one conversation about the issue. But maybe I already talked to 10 other people or 15 other people. And I tried to explain like, uh, or, or defend or the position, right? And, and I read all the comments uh, on Facebook like you were mentioning. So I think that sometimes this sort of like anger that you might get from some people, um, it comes from like tiredness. It comes from exhaust exhaustion into like trying to explain people why the movement exists into so like it, i i do think it's a mix of like yes we need education and and we need to be open to talk about these issues and share them and educate people but i also feel that people should be open to also receive this information because many times i also get people who come and they they tell me oh well karen you're very involved in this right but then they just throw at me what they think and i'm like well you are not open to hearing about me so it's not like you really want to learn or you really want to have a discussion. You you just want to like tell me your point of view and you don't care about mine. So I think that's a little bit like it's it's a process of learning how to educate people about this, but also people of how to of being open. Like if you if you're really interested and you really want to know, then go and ask. But if it comes from like you just don't agree and you just want to hear your you know make your voice heard with a friend that you know it's passionate about these issues like maybe take it to the other side <laughs> i don't know it's 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 complicated because it touches on like on on again on your identity and like you said right it, it can be right now we're talking about women's rights but it could be like race it could be nationality it could, and and it really touches on on on, on who you are. So I think that's why sometimes it becomes also very difficult to talk about these issues. I see. Um, so this may be a really difficult question to ask you, but um, do you think uh, sometimes feminism or some, not feminism, I'm not gonna say feminism, I'm not gonna blame the entire movement, but do you think sometimes feminists go too far? Yes, I think the movement itself and 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 it has its own issues like and and there's divides within the movement because again like like we do all have the ideals and there's a theory and there's like 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 we're we base our thinking in theory and in statistics and but at the end of the day we're also human beings right and we have our own egos we have our own like biases we have our own things so I I would say that like i would say that sometimes we we even within the feminist movement we believe that just because you name yourself feminist you're not capable of violence right or you're not capable of hurting other people or and that's not true like i think we all should always remember that we can always hurt people with our words with our actions and always rethink what we're doing like why are we doing it and, and that's something that I always try to talk with my friends here. Um, I, I'm, I'm part of some collective of women. And, and I always try to remember, well, if this is what we want to do at this protest, why do we want to do it, right? There needs to be a reason. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely think that sometimes like 
the the objectives are lost or 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 you don't think it like thoroughly um the movement is not perfect it will never be perfect uh, but i think at the end of the day you have to remember what is what we're fighting for uh and at the end of the day the violence is there like 10 now before it used to be 10 women per day are killed in mexico now it's 11. so as much as we would like to perfect the movement 11 women per day are being killed like and tomorrow another 11 and another two so like i feel like there's also like always needing to remember that the violence out there is always greater than the violence that we even as a movement are capable of causing um and that's that's what i believe yeah definitely and it is very i mean like when you look at the statistics you you don't see that in even uh, war-torn countries, right? You don't see you you will expect that from a few countries. You don't see that in all the countries like that you will expect it to be. And Mexico is one of these countries that's so close to the West. I mean, it's pretty much the West. Um, it is pretty much one of the main economies in the world. And even though a lot of people don't see it that way, I mean, it's a, it is one of the significant countries in the world. But we still we still have issues that resemble middle ages yeah no it, it re they resemble like war and and that's what people have forgotten about mexico that we have been in a war since 2006 and yes it's weird because the the country sort of still runs and you still have like a normal life but and and this violence has become very normalized like we like people here in, and 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 I think we have seen in, in the pandemic like people see the death toll and well like you have had that death toll for for kidnapping and murder and missing women I mean it it really like violence is so brutal here that you even stop seeing it and and that's why it's so scary I think that that's why and that's something that also the movement the femi coming back again to the feminist movement that it also wants to shed light on that women get so like I mean society gets so enraged when they see this destruction of property or or these sort of paintings in walls and monuments that are taken down the next day right but they don't get that angry when when they see when they see these statistics because it has become normal it has become well one more disappeared person well one more killed person one more so the fact that people are more outraged sometimes about about like this violence and again using quotation marks uh that 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 the movement causes against this brutal and systemic violence i mean it's it it really speaks about the the depth of of the violence in mexico and and the problem of how people have just accepted it and people have just um sort of learned how to live around it and and sort of hoping for the best expecting the worst um sort of thing but it's it's pretty brutal yeah and that's um that's a that's a tough one so i'm gonna bring it a little bit to one of my main um my main not concerns but um i think this is the the most valuable question i probably will ask you today and this is how do you live of, of of your passion because no seriously because living off of your passion is often seen as a rich kid privilege right 
you can live of the arts, you can live of writing articles, you can live of academia, and you, I know that you you had enough uh, money to study here, but I don't know if you had the scholarships or anything. So I'm not gonna, not assuming. What I'm trying to ask you for is maybe give the message to the people that believe that they need to have a nine to five job in um, in a logistics company to to get through their life and on the side maybe on the weekends you know go to protests and stuff, but you know you're you're actually full time full-time on your passion you you are in amnesty international you did your internship in human rights and you're planning to move from your place of privilege to a place of danger so i'm pretty sure that you probably have a plan already so tell us a little bit about that well my plan is well i think it depends on on really defining what you want on life and and who you want to be and and for me i mean I have had the huge privilege of being able to have like that nine to five job and and living in an extremely wealthy country and privileged country where 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 you don't have to worry about a lot of insecurity issues. Of course, economic yes, because like Canada is so expensive. Um, but I I wasn't happy. Like if 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 I have to be honest, like and and I think at the end of the day, some people prefer material things or they prefer that safety net right over happiness or or maybe the material things make you happy the comfortness makes you happy and and that's okay like I I I think at the end of the day people just need to be honest about who you are like what do you want to do in life and what makes you happy and and for me like what makes me happy is this it's like it's my job with like I mean defending human rights it's like like last weekend, I was in in the Yucatan Peninsula visiting some Maya indigenous communities, and and I loved it. Like, cause I learned so much from people. Like, I mean, and yes, it comes through like a huge discomfort, at least for me, right? That I've always have like this house and these services and access to all these things, but but for me, learning more about indigenous communities here. It, it's more precious than that, for example, traveling to Cancun, right? That are super close and staying in a five-star hotel resort. And, and again, maybe I'm privileged enough that I, I already live that and, and I can say, well, I prefer learning another way of living. I prefer doing something that I think for myself, it's more meaningful and, and, and yes, and, and my plan is to sort of follow my heart. And, and I, I'm, I'm scared, of, of course, of, of taking a bad, I don't know, like a bad decision. Because <laughs> right now my, my life is, is good. Like my job is good. It's, it's a good pay. I cannot complain at all. Um, but I mean, like if, if at the end of the day, you're not fully happy and, and you know there's a world out there that, that fulfills you as a person professionally personally then I I want to follow that and I don't know maybe we can have another interview in two years or three years and see how that worked uh but yeah I think it's just being honest about what you love and if you love your nine to five job and meet your friends after and go for a drink and and then go and sleep and watch Netflix all night I mean that's really amazing as well uh, so it really, it's, I think it's about, again, defining what you want from life and who you are and, and what makes you happy. Perfect. 
perfect. So you, I mean, I mean, I like, I like that answer. So my my point was a bit more towards: is there is there a market for being um, a social justice a warrior, for example? <laughs> um, well, it's I mean like you have the NGO sector, like the human rights organizations that it's a job. I mean, it's nine to five. I mean, working with Canada, Amnesty Canada, it's a nine to five job. You go to the office. Um, so yeah, I mean, there there is a market. You can also work for the government, for example, and try to change the world within the government. You can join, for example, the Human Rights Commission of, of Mexico and things like that. Of course, if you want to join like a guerrilla movement <laughs> sort of, like no like you would have to like basically live your life but but yeah there there's opportunities of of work and for me it's also like so like I dedicate again like my sort of professional life to this like my nine to five job but I also like like doing it on 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 my free time um and I think that's what most of like some of my friends do they some have their nine to five jobs and like later, like their hobbies to like watch documentaries about human rights and go to protests and read books about the issues. I mean, it's like an, it's like a career, right? Like, but it's like a, something that you like. Um, it just gets a little bit more intense, more dangerous in Mexico, of course. And and yeah. Yeah. So, I have a. I mean, I always have the theory that or since I was uh, in, in university, sorry, since I was in high school, I always had the idea that the change is made in the micro, not in the macro. So what this means is like, it is your individual actions to, that, that will actually drive change in the society. And you cannot really expect the change to always come, or not always, it may possibly never come from the top, from the macro. Um, and I, I mean, this is a very stupid comment, but I'm I'm gonna risk making it anyway so that I can get educated. <laughs> but you know, I see that for the past hundred years or more, uh, Mormons have going have been going door to door to educate people on their religion, right? Um, and although I'm not advocating the feminists go door to door to <laughs> be, to to have like, uh, can I you know have a discussion? Can I come in and discuss about feminism? <laughs> Do you want to know our Lord and Savior feminist? <laughs> yeah, we should create a cult or like a religion. I, I do agree with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not I'm not advocating for that, but I I'm always uh be, I believe that that's where change actually originates from. Um because look, um I don't know if you if you have if you have read the story of this guy, he was a feminist, a feminicide this. Is that how you say it? Like the guy that kills. Uh, feminist or the guy it is a guy that kills uh women just like that so oh like a like a femi like a fem yeah feminicida like a femicide yeah yes. yeah let's go for it um so that guy is in toluca i don't you live near toluca right um, yes so he's from toluca they call him they call him the monster of toluca i don't know if you if you read of him so I, I, I listened to his to his take, talking to his mom. He's calm. He doesn't have any remorse for doing that. Um, and then I was thinking, well, he's just a psychopath. He, he likes empathy. And then I, 
hear that he is worried about his pet. And then I'm thinking, this is not a psychopath. <laughs> this, this is not a psychopath. Yeah. This is a person that truly hated women. And, and, and what the fuck did his family do? Or what the fuck did his environment do to, to, to incentivize this hate, right? And because I don't think you, you're born and you're born hating everything. You're born being a nice ba baby most of the time. Unless you're Damien, six, but uh, usually you're born a nice baby, and then then your environment kind of shapes you uh, to do something. And this guy was completely empathetic towards a cat and two dogs, right? And 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 to his mom as well. He was empathetic to his mom, but he was not empathetic to the girl that he killed, to his dad that he also killed. He was not empathetic to like the other three women that he killed previously, like six years later uh, earlier. So then I'm thinking, well, this guy is driven by some sort of hate, and I, I just cannot understand it. I don't aim at under, understanding it. But when I when I talk earlier about me possibly criticizing the methods but not the movement, is like overall you you must have a KPI. You should you should try to aim <laughs> your conversion rate. I mean, really, you, you, need to, you need to go from a system that, it, that doesn't know what the hell is going on that, and then repels you to a system that slows, slowly understands you and then uh, understands that they need to pass legislation on this. Because right now, we, all know, we both know Mexican politicians. They are going to pass legislation that gets them votes and that gets them in office to steal money for another six years. That's what's going to happen. You know what got the, the current president in, in there? Well, saying that the, the, the brown people are are the best in Mexico, <laughs> saying that poor people are the best and they are the ones that should decide. You know what? I'm not I'm not against those ideas. I think it is kind of true. Uh, most people, most Mexicans are brown or have some brown heritage. Fine. Uh, most Mexicans are poor. Well, yeah, they must have the say of of what's happening in the government. But they should also say, look, there. Six, um, sorry, eleven. 11 women get killed every day. We need to do something. And, and it is not really happening for them. And I'm really pissed about that. Well, like, and, and, and something that I, I do want to say is that there has been huge, like, advance, advancement advancements in terms of, like, women's rights, um, at least at the political, like, law level. Uh, and many of these changes have been pushed by the feminist movement. And I do think that the movement is growing and that it's winning more and more hearts because, I mean, we saw it on the last Women's March. It was, I mean, women from all types of society came, like, like even if they were like rich, like poor from out of the cities, from inner, like it was a mass, it was one of the biggest march like seen in the country. So I do think there's like the movement has achieved um, like, like it's KPIs of growing, if you want to call it like that, and 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 more and more acceptance. Like I mean, I've I've, I've even noticed with my family. I don't know if they're tired of listening to me and or if they have really bought the message. But like like my mom now gets it right, and and again she might not be like uh, like agree with all the methods that we use, but like she remembers right, like the the violence against again and and that has happened with other friends I, i've seen more friends getting like intense involved up, up around the issue so i do think there's like like that positive change mexico actually has 
like it's surprising, but Mexico has pretty good laws in terms of like uh, protecting or at least trying to protect women. Um, and, and those laws have been achieved due to like the feminist movement. And when I say the feminist movement, again, it's women who protest, women who take buildings, women who are in the academia, women who are in political parties. So it has been a truly like the movement. The problem it's like still when you implement those laws and 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 of course there's like again i'm saying the system is collapsed but if we want to sort of see the the black and white in in all the in in this like sort of story or in this issue i do think there's advancements and i think that the fact that the movement is saying like well like we we don't even care anymore if you agree or not with what we're doing but we're gonna keep doing it um it's sort of like it sort of shows how how determined uh, women have became in the country, and and even ex like I mean, risking to be arrested, risking to like be hit by police, risking to be um, ostracized by society, and and still believing in what in what we believe. It, I think it also shows how important it is for us, and and how we're like like we. Like we we always say we're not taking a step back, and and I think like most women we mean it when we say that at least for us <laughs> there's no step back in the movement, and and yes, and and I mean we aim to incommodate people, we aim to make you feel uncomfortable, we aim to create these discussions. It's not like we we are not aiming to just winning your hearts. We're aiming to to be angry. We're 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 not trying to also be nice and polite because I think that moment has passed and that's what like some people have not yet understood about the movement that the movement is not asking permission anymore it's not asking to to even win win people's hearts and yeah like you say again we can go again to the conversation whether that's right or wrong whether that will work or not but at the end of the day the movement has reached this point because again a history and a response from the government and 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 it is where it is because because of what has of what has happened. So yeah, I would say sure. that. I mean, I, I do believe that you guys have done a great job um, for sure. And what I mean, I criticize the the not the movements, but the the forms, the form, and the like, forms, the yeah, tactics. The form, yeah, the tactics, <laughs> maybe the strategy is just it really comes from a place of like wanting to help, right? And it brings me to this place where. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm told if you want to be a good ally, don't say that. Oftentimes, don't criticize what we do. Just do what we want you to do as a good ally. So then, he, then, then when, he come, when, when I hear that, I, sometimes I'm like, well, first of all, um, like it just, be, it just really sounds problematic to me that now I'm, I'm called an ally, but I have restrictions on what I can try to help you with because now it's not the value I think I can provide, it's the value you want me to provide. And then I'm kind of like, I feel like limited to, right? And and obviously I know that this movement and the people in this movement, movement is under a lot of pressure. And there is under a lot of, it is like if you're driving at 120 kilometers per hour every day, consistently you're always afraid that you're that you may die and you're you're angry that your friend died already so i understand where, where this anger comes from but i think that you know 
sometimes this kind of this criticism um, and this, I don't know, like, I feel that saying that if you wanna be an ally, you should do what we want you to do. It's almost like your your opinion matters, but less than us and ours. And it kind of, I think it kind of drives some sort of um, divide again. Uh, and, my, and my point is that if this movement is gonna keep growing strong, it, really, it will need of men, right? You'll need the help of men. And the same way, any sort of, any sort of other legislation, when it comes to people of color, you will need help from people from other from other color, right? Um, and you will need people. You will need the, the help from people that are driving the current system. Um, so how will you how will you go about it? Like, I mean, do you think I am I'm kind of crazy <laughs> and oblivious to, to to you guys's movement, or 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 is it just like? I don't know. Um, well, there's there's different responses I could give. I could give the very theory-based response that we usually get that it's like, I mean, I think there's things that you could ask yourself, for example, of whether like, like and, and this, this is something that I, I sort of mentioned before, whether your sort of need or not need, but like when you say like, well, I want to help, right? And and I want to say my opinion, whether it comes from like this sort of like historic <laughs> sort of tendency of men of, of, of taking leadership on things, right? And, and of wanting to show us how we, you, we could do it, right? And, and what women usually say is that, well, the feminist movement is really for women. So like, like it's like, I know that you might not agree with us, but like we are deciding now, right? Because of this historic imbalance of, of power. So that would be sort of my very theoretical response to you. Uh, going more in depth or going more like as friends of like a more- Now, uh, now you can do the, the, the mean response to me. <laughs> no, I'm not mean, I'm not mean. No, that was, that was more of my mean response of, ba of basically saying that like, yeah. Like, I, I feel like men do have a tendency to want to say, like, how the movement should, like, For sure. like should be. And, and I think it comes from this historic point of, for the first time, maybe you're feeling excluded from something and you just want to be part of it. But, yeah. but no, but, but I mean, I, I do think what you, what you say, it's, it's true. Because at the end of the day, we do live in a society and, and, and for votes, right? And for legislation, again, you do need the other people and and hate has grown too much in this world to sort of like not think about how you can build bridges instead of burning them um but yeah i mean it's it's a it's a tricky issue for me the way i see it it's and and this is something that i've said to other friends male friends it's that like what i always recommend and for me it's a recommendation because at the end of the day it's very violent for me to tell you what to do, right? <laughs> it goes against like what you're trying to achieve if I just order you what you have to do. But what I always recommend you is like, well, if something in the movement uh, makes you uncomfortable or you don't agree, then look for the positive things. And, and, and that's your responsibility. And that's what you can do. Because again, we're talking about, it's like climate change, right? Maybe you don't agree with the guys from Greenpeace who hook themselves to trees. <laughs> But there's so many other things you can do for 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 the environment, right? So and, and that's the same with like the feminist movement. If you don't agree with the women that 
like 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 basically <laughs> burn buildings that's okay but like use your power to sort of like look for the positive and and i'm pretty sure you'll find it and it could be through books through articles podcasts like so i like my recommendation to my male friends is always like always as a male like as a guy as a, like a person who has whole power over women always try to share the positive of the movement and 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 if you're not finding it it's because maybe you haven't looked enough or or maybe you're again you're not doing the job you just read the news you don't agree and and your opinion stays there so should and, I, I i really like your response and and this makes a lot of sense right um try to try, if you if you don't agree with this uh, particular action try to do something on your own that can help the the movement and yeah the or, world, right? or look for other news i mean like and 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 it usually happens within in in they said there are protests again protests are huge right and mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure that if 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 you start like sort of liking even feminist collectives there's women that do art for example instead of burning things so yeah. maybe instead of, of 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 sharing that sort of like like very tendentious or very sort of violent no maybe try to share a good one or maybe try to share information or a book that you have so i always say that i always say like i think the problem is that if you just like talk about the bad that's when we get angry <laughs> makes sense no for sure and and look i i'm a, i'm the kind of person and i think you probably re remember but we haven't talked in a while so yeah do. but i'm the type of person that really likes to, to understand the, the whole thing and and like to kind of ask questions uh, that are a bit tough sometimes so what do you think about the inclusive language uh in spanish that's been coming <laughs> inclusive language in english and spanish is a bit it's a big difference uh, like the movement is a little bit different i think um and First of all, what do you think about the, the word Latinx? Oh, those are very different. Those are like, I mean, we could do an, a huge podcast on just that. Well, like about let's, inclusive. Let's be, be brief. <laughs> be brief. Well, like uh, again, inclusive language, I think it is important, especially in Spanish, to name like, for example, boys and girls when you're saying on a sentence, right? Like, or, 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 yeah some adjectives or, or some nouns you could change them um to make it inclusive for women i'm not that intense about like like gender neutral words or gender like for example in spanish is las los les and for me it's hard to use como like instead of saying for example los niños y las niñas decir les niñas and for me that's very tricky it's hard um so for me, inclusive language is important, but I also feel like very, and this is just me, uh, I'm not against it at all. I think it's important, but I, I do think that they, we have so many other bigger problems right now that I, I really cannot like fight about, about like inclusive language at this point. Yeah. I hope that one day we reach the point where inclusive language is like our arena of fight and discussion and debate. But for me at, at this point, it, it is not. So, do so you, would you think that in order to, for this problem to take a priority, you will need to solve the most the most difficult problem, which is uh, make sure that women are equally recognized safe. under the law? And safe. I think in Mexico it's safe. I I think like we safety, can right. Yes, I think like even to talk about equal pay and things like that. I mean, the 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 problem here is that 
the like again yeah, women safe. are not safe safe yeah. yes yeah. once that hey. once that women 11 women are not killed per day of course we can start looking at other issues but for me right now my priority it's it it's that and and again i i know many women who are focused on many other things and and they're all equally as important because it's so huge like the problem that we you we really need people in all the arenas but for me i mean if you have if you don't know if you're coming back from your job then i mean it's hard to worry about sometimes how much you're getting paid at the end of the day i mean i call my mom every night hoping yeah. that it will pick up right yeah That's a real fear it's like Shh. yeah it's a real fear like it, yeah. it is real and well um so last question i think for the podcast and i i have taken a lot of your time it, it is like 9 30 for you so <laughs> you need to go to bed um so last question i want to ask you is what would you say to 20 year old karen <laughs> wow lots of things i i think i would tell her that she's going on a good way that um and that she just needs to follow her heart that like and and i and it's something that i keep saying myself but to always follow her heart and that when you fall when like if little karen follows her heart like things will will work out and and that's what i would say that mm. and maybe i would say to of worrying that much about what other people think and especially family members of, of stop living to family expectations and sort of the life they want for you uh, and sort of embrace who you are and what you want i would say that to little karen <laughs> nice so so uh, one one question regarding the podcast do you think this conversation could be had by a lot of people and then this could lead to better understanding because i think we had a really good conversation regarding i hope uh, so yeah. right <laughs> yes i hope so and i'm i'm always open to you know if keep talking about this or if other people have questions i i do believe in education still maybe i don't know maybe in five years i will be exhausted <laughs> and i will be angry and if people ask me things i'll be angry all the time but i'm not there yet yeah. Was um, I so, too yeah. oblivious with my questions? No, no, they were very really <laughs> interesting. No, it's always nice to have questions with somebody who's not like very like you know in the human rights like against sector and everything because because you get used to the language, you get used to like the questions and and at the end of the day, it's great to have these conversations with between people that like have so like that we come from different like like professions, careers, but we also grew up in sort of the same country. So like we understand each other. So like, it's it's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, don't, like understand. I don't understand you. I'm sorry, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't know why I invited I, you here. No. Not, yeah, no, but it was, it was good because I used my marketing lingo with you. And I don't know, I, I, I think it kind of conveyed a message. And, and this is <laughs> the people that are gonna listen to this uh, are probably more business oriented, but I think there will be some people that will have the, the same lingo that you normally use in Amnesty International. But it is amazing that we had this conversation. And um, well, also lastly, I wanna give you the, I wanna thank you because it was your mission that allowed me to be president of ALAS that, oh. uh, and and we donated money to to a Latin American organization. Actually, oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah. No, no, congrats, and and I would love to hear how Alice is doing another another day or at another time because we we're doing well. 
Just, yeah, that's all you need. To... <laughs> it's amazing. No, it's always and like a, like I said, it's it's a part of my life that I will always like sort of remember in a very yeah. nice way that I loved. And yes, do you still follow us on Instagram? Yes, yes, yeah. on Facebook as well. Post where we where we say like, yay, we we celebrate the women, and then we send money to like <laughs> organization that brings women from Latin America to the UK. Basically. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll right. check it out. Check it out. But, yeah. all right. Thank you very much. And thank you for all the listeners. Thank you for listening to us. And if you're watching this in YouTube, well, you probably are just listening to us because we don't have a video yet. <laughs> <laughs> But awesome. Thank you. And you have a really nice puppy. Okay. Good night. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. bye.